See Sweet and Sour, powered by Align, the podcast where we talk about the sweet and not-so-sweet sides of leadership. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to See Sweet and Sour. I am very happy to host Von Sigmund. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. How about you, Mr. Philip? I am very, very good. Thank you very much. Uh, a little under the weather, but I think I'll be fine. I'll, I'll push through it. I've been through worse. I've been through worse. I will start off with your bio, and then we'll just get right into it. Sounds like a plan. All righty. Uh, Von Sigmund is the co-founder of Results Driven Leadership, a leadership development expert and a podcaster uh, for the podcast called The Business Mechanic. His expertise comes from years spent on the front lines and in leadership roles. As a former executive at CarMax, one of, Fortune, one of Fortune's 100 Best Places to Work, Vaughn sets out with an ambitious mission to improve executives and managers' ability to influence their organizations through better knowledge, skill set, and capability. Vaughn is a true leader in the field of leadership development. His motto is, no matter what business you're in, you're always dealing with people. I love that quote. You're welcome. You can steal it if you want I, to. I, 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 I will. I might. I just might. Um, so, Vanya, I just want to kind of kick off right away. One thing that I've always touched on in my in my experience whenever I talked about whenever I talk to people is ninety percent of businesses just fail. I was wondering what why you believe that is one of the reasons, and how can we fix them? You know, I love that question, and absolutely true. Most businesses fail to make it past three years, right? Yeah, and. And so the one I, I haven't had any of my clients fail, knock wood, um, but I've seen lots of businesses fail. We all have. And if you dissect that, you, you kind of reimagine, re-engineer from the beginning to where they failed. All of them had a great idea, but it, uh, you know, it comes down to like Marcus Lemonis has said a million times, people, product, process. And you can have a great process and a great product, but if you don't have the great people, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. Uh, you can have great people. You can have a great product. But if you don't have a great process to deliver it, you're going to fail. It's putting those three things together that creates the success of an organization. But very often, business owners don't know what they don't know. And they go into it with dreams and ideas and opinions, maybe bad advice from their cousin, Eddie. Uh, you know, we all have a cousin, Eddie, don't we? We all have this cousin, Eddie. Yep. <laughs> oh, cousin Eddie. He's, he's, a, he's a villain. Thinks he's really smart, but may not be. And, and so they, then they limp along. They limp along and then they start making bad decisions. Uh, they start grasping at things. They start... Uh, spending too much time looking at the bottom line, which is, I'm not telling anybody that don't look at the bottom line, but they start making desperate decisions based on the bottom line. And those not, aren't always the best decisions. And so companies like Scaling Up, coaches like myself, if a business owner really wants to be successful, they need to surround themselves, at least have the resources of someone who has been there and done that and has the bruises and will be willing to share with you what not to do as much as what to do. 
you know, that's one of the beauties of working with big groups like Scaling Up and, and certainly with my organization, Results Driven Leadership, is we're all executives. We've all had our failures and we'll keep you from your mistakes so you don't have to experience them. It's, you know, we'll save you that stupid tax, if you will, of making those mistakes and give you a more direct blueprint from step one, step two, step three, to put those three key elements together, people, product, process. But, and I'm going to get this last little piece in, where I see the most common failure is in the people mm-hmm. side. What do you think leaders can do today to kind of help with that? Because when when we, with the way I look at it, just thinking of what you're saying right now, the people side, it me what I'm seeing, what I, what I understand from that is that they're not hiring the right people. Is that what you're talking? Is, is that, is that okay? So, well, so what, they're, what, they're not hiring the right people. And then once they have those people, they're not leading those people very well. Hiring people is where the, the right people is where either the success or the failure really begins. If you surround yourself with weakness, you're going to be weak. Even in big corporations, you know, I'm getting ready to go visit a multi-billion dollar corporation to do my coaching sessions with their executives today. When I came in there a few years ago, they had no idea how to choose people. And of course, they had the the revolving door and the frustration and pulling their hair out. And, you know, there's so many bad people out there. We can't find good people because they're going into it with the, in my very humble opinion, someone who's hired thousands and thousands of employees in my career, and that's no exaggeration, you've got to hire the right person, not their experience. 90% of the mistakes come from hiring the experience and not the person. And if they'll stop, think about what human human elements they want to bring into their organization, what traits, what behaviors, what untrainables they have to have in order to be successful in that role or position, and then start looking for the right person versus their experience. I've never in a 40-year career fired somebody because of their experience, and nobody has. But that's what we're looking for very often when hiring people. We need to look for the person. We fire them because they can't get to work on time, they're disruptive, uh, they won't take any initiative, uh, you know, all these different things, you know, they, they, uh, so, soft, they skill, soft skills, soft, soft skills, skills versus yeah, always yeah. soft skills. And we're all, and very often employers, especially new inexperienced employers who are starting a business, don't take the importance of that critical part of hiring. Yeah. I think podcast number four, sorry, eight or something, I believe uh, I'm going to probably be corrected afterwards. Regardless, uh, so far that we've recorded uh, or ninth, I think, but I keep using the word soft skills and I, and I kind of want to not use the word soft, even though I, I might have to coin something brand new, but calling it soft means that it's maybe less important. And um, I think they, they're maybe if not more, equally important to hard skills, they're probably even more important sometimes. Depending again where you are, what what was it, what position it is, uh, I got to find another name for that. We got to find another name for that. Well, uh, so soft years, just sounds like weak. And I've, call, it's not. I've called it competencies. Okay. Right, and I don't like the term soft skills either because yeah, it, yeah. It, takes, it just takes on way too many meanings. Now, yeah. competencies can too, but the way I look at either soft skills or competencies are what are things we can't teach people. <laughs> 
What do they have to bring in their DNA? And you've got to determine your wants list, your must-haves list, out of things we can't teach people. We can't teach people work ethic. We can't teach people uh, courageousness. We can't teach people good communication skills or empathy. They either bring that to the organization or not. You can't train any of those things. And if employers, especially new business owners, stop and think about the best people they've worked with in their life, uh, either peers or other employees, maybe in a corporate world, and start thinking about the adjectives that they would describe that person with. And, and I've, got, I've done this exercise. I do it in my, in my training session on this. I've done this with hundreds and hundreds of, of managers and executives. They all come up with the same list. I tell them, start thinking about the best person you ever had and start describing them. And it's, well, they worked hard. You know, they were had a lot of initiative. They uh, they helped each uh, helped other team members. They do whatever I ask them to do and never question it. You know, it's all it's the same list of about ten or fifteen things. But if I turn it around, and this is what they don't look out for, because there's a, a, a must have list, and then there's a absolutely not list. And so you got to reverse that exercise and say, let me think about the worst people I've ever worked with and let's start describing them. And so it's they were lazy. They, you know, they uh, wouldn't take direction. They uh, were mean to other employees. You know, all these nasty things. They stirred stuff up all the time. They were gossips. So. The common way of interviewing does not uncover any of those things, good or bad. And so it's the the second part of it. After you understand what human I want to hire, I've got to figure out how to ask them the right questions to determine whether they possess either one of those. And, And again, the advice to whoever's listening today, if you are interviewing someone using a behavior based interview and Google it. I mean, there's, it's, it's everywhere, you know, contact me. I'll give you the list. I'll give you a hundred interview questions. Uh, They're all behavioral based that will uncover all of these. But, you know, I I instruct people to look for all those must haves and rarely we'll get all of them. But if you get majority of them, you're in good shape. But here's where the big mistake I've made, and I was never perfect in hiring, but once I, you know, after thousands of opportunities, I got a little better through the years. If as soon as I had a sniff, just a just a little bit of whiff of any of those bad traits, and you can you can determine those through the right questions. As soon as I had a whiff of that, I had to tamp down my optimism and the, the, the self-assuredness of how well, I can train them on that. I can train that out of them. I cannot untrain bad competencies either. That's They're going to bring that to your party. And believe me, if they bring that to your, your organization, it's going to spread like a virus. And now I've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I really I, I really like that. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely, I would love to get a, a, that, that list or kind of, let's do something together with that and, and, and get that together. People to, because I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to hiring. Hey, C-Sweet and Sour listeners, it's Haley here from Align. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to jump in with some exciting news. We have a new limited time promotion for listeners. You can get 10% off your first year of the Align software with the promo code NOTSOUR10. Align is a strategic planning and execution management software designed to help businesses achieve their goals faster. To get started, go to aligntoday.com and complete the form to book your demo today. Again, the code is NOTSOUR10. Now back to the episode. And when I do my hiring, if it's not somebody that I know personally, because I worked with in the past and somebody brand new, I try, well, I personally try to make it not, not a traditional interview. It's very much conversational, not necessarily intuitively, but I kind of touch on those things without realizing it. But I think now you saying this out loud, what I will try to do is be more purposeful when it comes to the behavioral side of things rather than, rather than not. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Let's jump on and move, move to the next thing that I would love to talk about. Actually, it was uh, your latest podcast about improving focus among team uh, among a team. Now, this is the latest one that I saw based on the timing right now. <laughs> well, this is probably good. There are probably going to be a few more podcasts uh, when, this, when this gets released, but uh, I would love to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, um, it's such a common challenge in businesses today in that it's, and it's, it's been this way for a long time, but it's getting more and more of a challenge with more and more tools coming into the workplace for communication. And there's so many people have so many access points to distractions during the course of the day. In that podcast, I I laid out seven tips. And one of the ones that most people resonate the most with is creating focus time. A, A portion of a day or multiple days during the week that that is my GSD time, I get stuff done time. And, and we just make we it a, a different rule S in word. office, right? There's no <laughs> we, use a different, we use a different S word, but okay, yeah, keep yeah. going. A lot of people use a different S word, but I'm trying to be clean here. Between 9 and 10 o'clock on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to respond to email. Don't come in my, my office or my cubicle because that's my GSD time. Blocked uh, times during the day for the organization that there can be no meeting schedule. Let's just have those rules. Uh, choose the appropriate communication tool and set the protocols for which communication for which situation. So when do you when do you slack me, and how soon should you expect a response? When should you email me, and how soon should you expect a response? Uh, when should you just get up and come talk to me? I see the bad habit all the time of people, you know, two offices away are slacking each other. And the, and the challenge comes up is you cannot get the emotional nuances of what you're writing into that. It's very often misunderstood. We spend 30 minutes trying to go back and forth and explain something where in 10 seconds you could have walked next door and talk to them about it, and or people are getting torqued off with each other because you're being rude or you're, you know, you're, you're being insensitive about something. Uh, why are you blaming me for that? And people are taking things personally that weren't meant personally so that it creates this emotional disruption during the course of a day that is completely unnecessary. And, you know, the last one I think is really important. I see this it's it, it, we got to put bumpers up, right? We got to keep barriers away from certain portions of our day, and we have to have the ability, be given the right and respect to say no. Bosses are notorious 
I was one of them, maybe, for giving my best people more and more duties, responsibilities, projects, things to do, because I knew they were going to get it done. And guess what? They already had their own projects. I'm piling more on. Maybe other people are piling projects on there. The boss never knows how they don't have a, a view of how full that plate is. And this person that gets everything done very often has an inability to say no because they're a people pleaser. They're career oriented. They don't want to say no to people. They, you know, they, they want to be the, that gives them a dopamine hit to be that go-to person, solve problems, get things done for people. But it comes at a huge personal cost because they get frustrated, get stressed out, they get overwhelmed. You know, they, they end up talking to their coach in, in tears because I just can't get everything done. And I've, I've had many, many of those conversations. So it's the ability and the right within a culture of an organization to be able to say no, especially to the boss. Yeah, 100% of the, the Slack thing. I have a kind of workaround because, you know, most, most teams are remote right now. It's so Slack or if you have Zoom or any kind of whatever Google Google uh, Meets or whatever you have as your as your video thing, instead of using Slack, just kind of pop in and say, hey, listen, can I can I have a two different discussion? Even the phone. Like I, I personally prefer video just so I can you can see the person's face and nuances with their with their emotions. But uh, I, I even like to sometimes this happened the other day with 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 Julia actually, and she's hey can I can I it was about editing something or something she wanted to talk about and, and she didn't want to type it out. I'm like, I, I completely understand you don't want to type it out. Send me a, a, a voice message. You know, you can kind of like record and just say what the issue is. And then boom, it was done, right? Because she wasn't at the computer or she was on her way somewhere or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I, I, I agree. We need to understand how to communicate communicate with each, other, with each other better. And one of those things is understanding how you work best and putting those boundaries. Uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, pretty, you know, Tim Ferriss, right? Uh, yeah, somebody doesn't know who that is, yeah. please, please Google him. If you don't know who Tim Ferriss is, he has a book called, what came out like, I don't know, like 15 years ago, maybe I'm maybe exaggerated, maybe 10 years ago about, uh, the four hour work week. And I, I'm not a, I, I don't personally think I'll ever be able to do that because I'm, I'm not at that level of efficiency. I don't think I ever will be, but, uh, one of the things he does mention in the book is explaining to people right off the bat when they can communicate with them and understand, put those expectations, I will not answer you until those times. So for example, if anybody wanted to send them an email, they would only send it at 12, at 12 o'clock and they knew between 12 and two or 12 and one, whatever, because it's only an hour a day for four days, crazy. But only in that hour is he answering people. And if he doesn't within that hour, he's, he's pushing it over to the next thing. So it's, it's, it's interesting uh, that, that you, you, you put that out there. It's, I want people to understand whoever's listening. It's not a bad thing that you're creating those boundaries because you're creating those expectations to make them understand, listen, I'm not doing this because I hate you because I don't want to listen to you. I'm doing this because I need to do things as well. I need to get shit done. That's what we say. I need to get shit done in this DSG moment. And that's the only reason why I'm not going to be talking to you for the next three, four hours. So that's something that, that uh, even as leaders, right? Because we're supposed to be the leaders are supposed to be the ones that uh, solve the problems and they need to be available always. But sometimes we need our leaders need their own time to do that stuff. Right. So 
yeah, expectations. Love it. So one of the questions, one of the things I, I, I struggle with, uh, and I've been I've been doing this for a while, at least I've been doing actual business and not a bartender or managing bars for about, uh, I've been not doing that uh, for about 12 years and, and in leadership for about seven, eight. And one of the things I, I, I change sometimes, and whenever I have an interview question about what kind of style of leadership you have, I always say there isn't one specific type. It depends on the people that I'm speaking with and how I do that. But again, thinking about what you're talking, what you mentioned before, there's some competencies that just don't change as a person, right? I try to do better. I try to do things. And I, and I think one of the things that I try to do is try to better myself as a person. So I think that is maybe a, a good thing. Oh, probably is a good thing. How do you kind of manage and juggle? What's the best way to do that? Because I would love to get that advice. So, okay, just, just like those competencies, leadership, I believe, has some very defined and arguable competencies, right? Mm -hmm. But the one that I think everybody has to consider, and it's one of those things that may be situational at times, but in order to be an effective leader, there's, there's one key element that I think everyone must have, which you got to be courageous, you got to be brave. You got to be willing to do what others aren't. You got to be willing to stand up for your people. You've got to be able to, you know, protect the customer, do the right thing. And more importantly, it's, it's, I see this all the time that weak managers or weak leaders will often blame others or uh, allow the blame to be placed on others. Good leaders never, ever, ever do that. That's the courageousness. I'm willing to, uh, I'm taking responsibility. Yeah. On, right. If you don't have that, you're, you're, you're going to be weak at best. And then the second part of leadership, and I think this, this is much more natural to people than e even the courageousness is honesty. And sometimes that's tied with the courageousness because I've got to have courageous conversations or brave conversations, difficult conversations. But very often, it's not all about the good. We've got to talk about the bad, too. And those bad or, or uncomfortable conversations often get avoided, postponed, procrastinated. And what leaders don't understand is by putting it off, you're approving it. You're approving underperformance. You're accepting that. And once you finally have had your fill and you 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 get frustrated to have that conversation, it's never as good a conversation as as you could have. Yeah. And so it's it's being willing to to have those conversations, be able to frame those conversations around the proper approach of communication. And again, I teach courses on how to have difficult conversations. And there's a process to that, but there's more importantly, a mindset. It's a leadership mindset, which forces you to have to check your opinion. You have to hold your opinions loosely because there's always another side to it. There's all yeah. element of knowledge that if you go into a difficult conversations with questions and curiosity versus guns a blazing to get it off your chest, those conversations, those one-way monologue conversations never go as well as creating a good dialogue. And even with that, when you can create that dialogue, you're courageous, you're being honest with somebody, and then you're, you're allowing them to collaborate with you on the problem. They're much more likely to respond in a positive way 
to an improved outcome. But if you go into and all you do is, is kick their butt, they're going to go out of there just thinking you're an asshole. Again, I've said we've, we've done a few of these and I, I feel a huge part of leadership should be just learning psychology and understanding people. Uh, if it doesn't come to you intuitively, just just learning how the mind works in general is incredibly important. Uh, as a marketer, I, I've always I've always dabbed in in psychology. I've always tried to figure out how to uh, incept people to do things. Uh, that might sound really horrible now that I'm saying it out loud, but um, the idea is, you know, as a marketer, you want to get people to buy things, right? Or, or at least ask for a sign, like demo or things like that. When, when it comes to business, or sorry, when it comes to being a business leader, psychology and understanding the human mind and how it's changing, right? The, the way people are reacting to everything today is different than it was even 10 years ago, even five years ago, in my opinion, this whole pandemic has done has has thrown this accelerator uh, uh on the fire for the good and the bad right I, I i i see it both ways but really if there's one thing that i'm i'm taking away from all these all these conversations i'm having with all these very experienced people more experienced than me uh is that you really understand the mind it's kind of like this main focus that i'm 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 getting with these conversations and so let me let me add another element to that if i'm yes yeah. There is such an important tool, and I've, I've used it for over 20 years. It was a game changer for me in my leadership approach. And there's lots of these types of things out there. I happen to be fond of one. I also am an administrator or, or facilitate these are DISC profiles. And understanding your own behavioral nuances, your, your behavior, your communication style, understanding why you are how you are and the fact that you can't really change it permanently, but understanding how to adapt your communication style, your behaviors to fit the needs of others. You know, it's, it's almost like becoming a psychologist. It's, it's psychologists for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I got to understand myself, but once you get a good grasp of yourself and understanding what this tool provides you, it's very observable what the behavioral profiles of others are. And, you know, DISC, dominance, influencer, stability, compliance, they all need different approaches. You know, Ds you can be really hard with, Is you you've got to allow them to, to create and talk and, and work things through. Uh, the Ss need to be told what to do, but in a very empathetic, supportive way. The C needs facts and figures. They need data. Uh, they don't deal in emotion whatsoever. How do I adapt my natural style to get through to them and get the most positive outcome from any interaction with them, especially a difficult interaction with them. It, to me, and it's a very big part of my practice, it's the, it's the first thing we do with every new client is we do a disc profile with the executive. Then we do it with their team. Once the executive understands themselves, we'll go through a big session on how to understand their team. And it is such a game changer to how they perceive their people. It releases all this emotional energy that is misspent because now they understand why that person is obstinate or why that person just comes in and talks all the time at length and has to tell me everything in the world about everything. And it drives me nuts. 
And, and you also have the ability as an executive or a manager to be able to talk to your team about their disk profile and understand how they need. Now we have a perfect conduit. We've got a great connection that creates a much more robust culture of effective communication. Yeah. It's so different today than it was back then. Like back then, I'm, it's so di- in a good way. I personally think it's in a good way. Uh, I, I love honesty. I love communication. I love transparency. And doing these kinds of exercises, I remember doing something similar. I, I don't remember if it was specifically a disc, but uh, for a few interviews in the past, uh, I've, I've done these things. I did it before I was I was uh, uh, drafted to the army as well. Uh, and I always thought that everybody would answer the same thing. Like this is obviously when I was younger and I didn't know better. But whenever I say it's like, oh, this is it's obviously it's 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 B or obviously, you know, it's it's C. Like, well, why would anybody say anything else? And only somewhat recently, I think it was like, like three years ago or something like that. I was with a colleague and we went over similar kind of disc, 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 disc results. Again, I forgot what the what the what the test was called, uh, but it was a it was a behavioral characteristic test. And we we're pretty good friends, like colleagues, but we we're pretty close. And we had different answers. We we we, we cross referenced what we answered. We had different answers, like, and, and we said to ourselves, "How are we still friends?" <laughs> right. The interesting about that thing was, uh, even though we had different answers for certain things, there was one thing that was in common. We were both open minded. Like there was an open mindedness and the and the and the willingness to listen. And that I think is something that regardless of uh, where you are on being more calculated, being more uh, more emotional, being more uh, talkative or you know whatever the, the, the scale is, one thing that I, I believe shouldn't be overlooked is that openness and ability to listen, regardless of who you are as a person, right? Maybe I, I like talking, right? But I also, I like to listen as well, even though it might not sound like that sometimes. I got to ask my team. Yeah. We'll see if they we'll see if they answer me straight. Uh, honestly, I hope they will. But uh, I do I do like to listen and I, I like to learn new things. And yeah, it's 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 incredibly important. I think everybody should should think about that when they're powerful moving forward. Powerful tool, and you know I've I've seen it not only change teams for the positive. And every team we go through these these tests and a meeting and a exercise with changes the dynamics of the inner workings. But secondly, I, you know, I'll give you an example, tell you a quick story. I, I'm working with a, you know, I'm lucky enough to live here in Southern California. There's a lot of entertainment companies. I work with a, a couple with their executive team, and there happens to be a comic book publisher out there that some people may have heard of uh, that I'm working with their chief editor on. And he is a he's a very dominant guy. He's a very hard charging, get stuff done guy. Also very creative, very talented. He was the fifteenth employee at Amazon when it started, which is kind of cool. Uh, he used to work two offices down from Bezos, so um, and sleep under the desk at night with him. Uh, not together in separate. <laughs> Regardless, no judging. Regardless, no judging. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> Clarify that. But I took him through this this profile and it clicked with him. Okay, I understand how I can be very disruptive and uh, unappetizing to my team and how I approach things. But also what came from that is his relationship with his daughter. And he had a really difficult conversation or uh, uh, relationship with his daughter. 
And he, uh, I think I, I saw him a month later, literally, and this is a tough guy, broke down in tears with how it taught him how he needed to change his interactions with his, I think she was 19-year-old daughter at the time, and how all of a sudden they're starting to bond. He's starting to understand her. She's starting to understand him, and how it's just, it's completely mended the relationship. So you, you stories like that, it's it's really important work, but it can also help you in your relationships at home. And let me tell you, I, I can't let this one go without saying your ability to listen is a superpower. It is a superpower. And it's it's been, a, it, you know, there was a time in my life I thought I was a great communicator, a great orator. I could tell it. I, I could do things with flourish, and people just hung on every word. Uh, not true. Uh, <laughs> Self awareness, right there. Yep. I, I came to find a swift kick in the in the in the between the legs that yeah. that was not true. But what I learned from that is I needed to shut up and listen and. and truly actively listen, uh, that completely changed the outcome of how I was approaching my leadership style. And that uh, it's one of the most basic human needs is that we need to be listened to. And uh, culturally, it's one of the, 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 the big disruptors to corporate culture, business culture, is the powers that be, the, the managers and executive team, they don't listen to anybody's opinions, don't ask for it. When you, you try to discuss things with them, all they're, all they're waiting for is an opening so they can tell you you're wrong. But that ability to listen is amazingly effective as, as a leader, and you cannot discount the importance of that. It's hard to learn, though. It's hard to learn, especially you have very strong opinions about things um, and tend to take things personally. You, that's something else you got to work on, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I have I have one of those two. So I, I definitely have strong opinions, uh, although I don't take anything personally. That's something that I that I learned after. I, I, don't, I don't know if I learned it or just it just kind of happened to me when I started growing up. I just realized that I shouldn't take anything personally. And what I think is probably a big deal is not a big deal as well. I, I'm working on, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest about that. My strong opinions and I like, and I like to express them. There's, there's one thing I always tell everybody when I, when I come in, listen, I have very strong opinions and I will talk about them. On the other hand, if you think they're dumb, tell me and we'll work it out. And sometimes people think I'm joking and I'm not. Because of the kind of person I am, like, oh, he's just saying that. And, and once I tell him he, he, he's going to hate me. And no, no, I, I really I, I will appreciate you and respect you more if you tell me that you disagree with me. Appreciate and expect you even more than that if you explain to me why you disagree with me. That is even probably more important than anything. I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but tell me why. Tell me why. And let's have a conversation about it. And uh, more times than none, if you can convince me, I'll be the first person to say I was dumb. Well, and you know, listen, we go through life with our our paradigms, right? And it's it's your ability to open that up and your the people who work with you's feeling of safety to be able to say what they're thinking, to share their opinions. You often learn things that you never would have thought of. And it completely 
I've had my opinion changed so many times or altered, right? Often enhanced because they bring an element of thought that I had not and probably would have never considered. And it just makes whatever outcome from the interaction that much more powerful. You know, the old saying two minds are better than one, you know, it's been around a long time, but it's, it really is true. And if you can get 10 minds are better than one in there too is, is even better, but it's, but it's a leadership quality is to be able to hold that back, listen to others' opinions, take action on those opinions, put it into the collective pool of knowledge, if you will. And then the outcome of that is so much more positive and powerful. Yeah, I, I like the 10 minds are better than one, but there's also another cliche, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chefs in the kitchen. That is also something that you have to learn how to balance. There should be a place to keep a legitimate open door policy, not just saying that, obviously, but also understand that there's some things you have to take responsibility for and only one person can. So there also, there has to, whether it's you or somebody else that you point to be the project leader or project owner, project champion, I like using champion, project champion, you need to make sure that you need to take responsibility and accountability for what's going on and just make sure you, you, you balance the many minds, great, but also not too many chefs because Gordon Ramsay, Ramsay is, is it probably a great, ex- imagine like 10 Gordon Ramsay's. <laughs> yeah. Well, great point. And the major point that I'm taking away from what you just said is once we get all the information we need, all the opinions go into the soup. There's one person going to make the decision, be responsible for it, and that's me. And not, we're not all going to be out there working either in conjunction or in conflict with each other. And then I'm going to coordinate and align everything. But whatever goes right is going to be your fault. Whatever goes wrong is my fault. That works. I'm fine with that. Let's let's touch on, on unemployment now. The, the rate is dropping. On one hand, it's dropping. On the other hand, people are getting let go a lot. There's there's been a lot of layoffs lately. Just the other day, there was a ton. HubSpot fired like 500 or something people. And and, and there's there's this whole thing uh, with, with, you know, happening what's happening right now. What, how, again, this is a stat that I'm I'm trying to figure out if it makes sense. It does, the unemployment rate is dropping, although there's a lot of people getting fired. What's going on? What's going on here? What's happening? (laughs) I wish I had my crystal ball and can give you a definitive. But here's what my experience would tell me is these layoffs are certainly a leading indicator of rough times ahead. And very often it takes 90 to 120 days to start feeling the impact of that in different ways in the economy and certainly in the hiring pool. Yeah. And now if you're in the tech world, there's no time better than now to start hiring people because, man, there's over 100,000 people just hit the streets, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately because many of them were working remotely, but most of them were in the in the Northern California market that, that kind of isolates that, that ability uh, to hire great talent in that world. But... Typically, that is, again, a leading indicator of rough times ahead. And you're starting to hear tough times about the auto industry, that interest rates are really starting to constrict their ability to sell cars because 
no longer affordable. Your heart, you're starting to hear uh, about housing, like housing here in Southern California sales year over year dropped 40 something percent. So again, another leading indicator. You couple all that with inflation. I think we've got some rough waters ahead. I don't see how we can avoid it. I think unemployment, as we see it, that's always a lagging indicator because it's what's last month happened. I think we'll start seeing the benefits of the of what's happening. As if we're an employer, we're growing, we're adding, we're successful, and I and I already I'm already starting to see it. There's going to be more and more people that we have access to. Now we can't discount the fact there's a lot of people that just quit trying to find a job. You know, there's there's a there's I think a million seven, some big number of people that just, they just, during the pandemic, just stopped. Many of those were 55 and older. Uh, they decided just to take the package and retire. Uh, but many of them are, are young people and particularly young men that just, you know, they, they've lost their drive. I'm not going to get into that whole subject. I'm not George. But I think we've got a great opportunity for hiring. I think it's actually a positive thing. If I've, if I've got a fairly inflation-proof business, well-funded, if I'm willing to put for a period of time people in front of profits, because I know we're going to come out at some point, right? And I'm going to need those people when it kicks back in. It's a great time to uh, work on processes and train people and reposition ourselves. But there's also going to be a pool of people I didn't have access to 90 days ago to bring into the organization and fill key positions. And I'm starting to see with several of my uh, employers that I work with, their resume flow has gone up dramatically. Where December to mid to late January, it was a little slow, but just in the past two weeks, and I, I wish I, I had access to Indeed's uh, database to see it, what, what changes there, but that's another great indicator. How many all of a sudden applying for jobs? And there, that data is probably out there somewhere. But I think it's, you know, you asked me a simple question. I'm giving you a very long answer, but. All good. Uh, all good. I believe it's going to be a great opportunity to bring some folks on board if you're willing to invest in those people. I don't know. Maybe you have some insight on that. I would love to see what positions, though. Mm. Uh, usually usually the, the go-to for, for cutting off the low-hanging fruit is usually marketing, unfortunately. It's easiest to cut off because there's a lot of untangibles when it comes to marketing. And if you can't prove anything, it's like, okay, see you later. Uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for coming. I've seen... Uh, Literally yesterday, one of my colleagues was like, hey, I just got I just got laid off. Anybody has any open positions? He's a he's a content creator, specifically textual content creation. And it's concerning, to say the least. How about this? I'll, I'll, I'll ask this a little bit differently. Is there, besides marketing, which is kind of the easy out, what do you think would be, for, for companies that are, are struggling at the moment, for whatever reason, it's mostly because, from what I've seen, it's mostly because of like overhiring to begin with. But let's just say they're in a situation where their business is struggling, they didn't overhire. Do you have any advice for those people, those leaders? Well, sure. So it's, it, it comes down to having a long-term goal, right? We all know that downturns are temporary. And sometimes for survival, you have to make cutbacks, right? And payroll is generally one of the, if not the biggest expenditure for most organizations. 
So it's a big fat bogey on the P&L sheet that, man, if I can hit you know, that payroll number by 10% or 15%, oh, I'm great. My advice is always sales fixes everything. And almost every one of these downturns, if we follow the sheet, if we're followers, if we run, if we sell, if we, we bail, well, it's not a very smart move and very, very often. That is the best time because your competitors are probably going to be sheep. Go be a lion because sales fixes everything. This is a great time to invest in marketing because your competitors are cutting back on marketing. I'll take that. Right? <laughs> really is true. Uh, this is a great time to let's look at how our, our customer base, how can we get more out of their out of their open to buy? How can we how can we go find new clients? How can we deliver better service? How can we differentiate? What's our let's get back to our mission and our value proposition and how can we reimagine that to communicate it in a more powerful way to the world so that we can it, it comes down to how do I get more market share? And, and so, yes, it's really easy to start looking for cuts. What I often suggest twofold is let's look at waste. And very often I, I can go through a company's P&L and start questioning line items. And I can come up with almost as much money as they're wasting in other things and they, they can save in payroll. It may be $1,000 here, $15,000 there, $20,000 there. It's a bunch of small amounts, but it adds up. And is this a must-have or a nice-to-have? Let's, let's, let's figure that part of the business out. And then secondly, don't be a sheep. You know, don't follow the path that your competitors are going to, are going to end up with their same fate. Look for ways to grow during downtimes. That's, you know, like Warren Buffett says, that's the time to buy. You need to take that same methodology mindset is this is a great time to go stomp on the competition and get better. When I when I'm hearing this, the, the advice that most people say is very similar to what you're saying right now. The issue is I mostly don't see them executing that way. It's like they're always trying to find the easiest way out. And it's it's usually a payroll. One of the things that we're looking into as well in the business is finding subscriptions that are not worth the time. Again, for right now, those are small numbers, but if you think about the yearly, maybe maybe it's like $300 a month, but if you think about it, it's three and a half a year, right? And looking at that usually helps kind of lessen the impact and, and worry as much. And yes, waste, waste is a good, good, good way to, to look at it. If there's one thing that you feel you would want somebody to take out that we haven't said yet out of this out of this podcast, kind of an action item or something that they can keep close to their heart. What, what would that be to to leaders of today? Well, I I think you that every leader can look in the mirror and ask themselves for an honest answer of, am I really being courageous for my people? Am I really protecting my people? Do I create a safe, stable environment? For the people who work for me, I'm only going to be as successful as they they make me. Managers run businesses, right? Leaders lead people. It's balancing the two, right? You have management responsibilities, but those management responsibilities become infinitely 
easier and more successful if you work on your leadership skills. And you've got to understand, you got to take an inventory of where you stand as a leader. Go take a test, you know, uh, uh, look in the mirror and, un- and read a book, you know, read Simon Sinek. I got his new book sitting on the desk. And then go compare that self to yourself. And it's, you know, and then take action. You know, a lot of people have great plans. They they rarely take action on those plans. And then create a, a step-by-step SMART goal to go work on that and make it around, my humble opinion, make it around being a better leader of people because that pays off in gigantic positive dividends every time. On that amazing note, uh, great, great uh, take back for everybody who's listening. I appreciate your time, Vaughn. This was great. Uh, for those who probably don't know, because it's going to be edited afterwards, there's a little mishap with the audio and video. Uh, we got it working again, uh, and, and, and I'm happy. I'm happy that we did. It's, it's, this is really great, Vaughn. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, and I take full responsibility for that hiccup. Um, I'm going to throw this uh, laptop in the in the in the bay out here. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for having me on. It was a true pleasure, Philip. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For those that are listening, if there's anything in this podcast that you found interesting or feel a colleague should hear or hear and listen and 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 implement potentially, uh, remember sharing is caring. Make sure to uh, sign up to any notifications on your social media on on your uh, uh, podcast platforms for notifications. And uh, yeah, again, thank you very much, Vaughn. And I will see everybody on the next episode of C-Sweet and Sour. Have a good one.